Welcome to Welcome Heart, Living a Legacy Life podcast. My name is Sue Donaldson, speaker, author, and creator of WelcomeHeart.com. What better legacy than to open our hearts to God and open our lives and homes to others? Jesus said, love me, love your neighbor. Sounds like a legacy life to me. Thank you for joining me. Hello, good morning, and thank you for joining me at Welcome Heart Living a Legacy Life. I'm so happy today to introduce you to my old new friend, Amy Carroll. I met her, Amy, at She Speaks. She writes and coaches and speaks for, well, I don't know if you coach for Proverbs 31 Ministries, but maybe you've heard of Proverbs 31 Ministries. Well, Amy Carroll is one of their, I don't know if you're a founding member or not. Are you a founding member? I'm not a founding member, but yeah. I've been part for a long, long time now. Well, yeah, so yeah. I want almost to... 20 years. Yeah. So. And you can tell she's not from Southern California, even but <laughs> she is from the South. And uh, let me just read a little bit about her. She's been madly in love with her husband, Barry, for over 30 years. Did you meet him in North Carolina? I did. I okay. did. We oh. actually crossed paths in college, but we met in our first teaching assignment. Oh, Great. You have to tell me about that. And she has two um, boys, young men, one and a lovely daughter-in-law. That's so exciting. Um, She is also the author of two books, Exhale and Breaking Up with Perfect. Those are wonderful titles. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. Co-host of Grit and Grace podcast. And she serves women who are called to speak through Next Step Coaching Services. So Amy, welcome today on Welcome Heart. And we can't wait to hear more about you, what you offer, as well as your wisdom and your legacy. So why don't you start by telling us a little bit about your family and then your ministry and your work. Well, thanks for having me, Sue. It's fun to be here with you today and be reconnected. So I am, I don't know, I'm an empty nester now. I guess that's kind of the the label that I have now. And that's been great. We actually did have an adult son who came home during COVID. He was on a national Broadway tour that came to a screeching halt. So that was an interesting season and such a (laughs) gift to have him at home. Not his dream come true, probably, but his mama's, you know. exactly. Um, yeah, so my husband and I both work from home and that has been an adventure too during COVID, Mm -hmm. but, uh, we are enjoying the empty nest and, and getting to invest in some of the things that we weren't able to invest in while we were investing in our children and parenting Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. growing up. You know, that could be part of your legacy right there, because I know women on the verge of empty nest and they crawl into themselves and wonder what is, what's next. You know, they don't understand that. So I think it's probably good to start doing something before they leave for one thing. Because it translates. I, over. So I, mean, too. I have hardly a spare minute myself and I've been an empty nester for quite a while, but I also loved it when they came home during COVID. That was such a blast. Yes. And they declutter, yes. decluttered my life in general. I cleaned out the garage and told me what to do and redid <laughs> my bedroom. It was kind of an expensive visit actually, but yes. Yeah, so back to you, Amy, sorry, but what a joy <laughs> that you are enjoying the empty nest. And so tell me about your coaching services. Well, I have a passion for coming alongside other speakers and writers. Um, I don't do writing coaching, but I help 
speakers and writers with both their messages and also their marketing. And so years ago, I was kind of in a transition professionally. I was, I was speaking and writing at that time, but a friend of mine was asking me about the Proverbs 31 team. And I was kind of raving about how I was learning this from one person and that from another person and just growing so much from being able to watch the examples around me. And she said, I wonder what people do who are in ministry alone. And Mm -hmm. so many people are doing this ministry thing in these spaces where nobody does what you do and nobody gets what you do. And so I wanted to be the person that came alongside and, and worked individually with speakers and writers on writing a message or creating a website or those kinds of things. So it is one of my deepest joys. I love it. Do you also uh, coach writers on how, I mean, excuse me, coach speakers on how to speak better? I do. I thought Mm -hmm. thought that was, I thought that was your main thing, but your main thing is message as well as marketing. What do you mean by marketing? You get them gigs? No, I don't do the gig part, but like, I'll help you with your marketing. So help you create content for a website. And what I do the most is message development. So help speakers and writers Mm -hmm. write a message that will be given from the stage. And that's my, that's actually my very favorite thing to do. Were you an English teacher? (laughs) Were you an English teacher? I was I was not, but English was my favorite subject and I was an elementary school teacher. So, okay. Well, (laughs) I think curriculum is my thing. Yeah. Well, I can tell that. And, you know, a lot of women have messages that God has given them, but they don't know how to articulate or how to get it organized. I was an English teacher and I, I could understand a kid's writing a lot better if it was just simply organized. You know, you go from step one, step two, and then go back and repeat step one again at the end. And um, so what a gift you are to so many. And I praise God for you. Let me ask you this question. When do you know that you've done a good job in coaching a speaker? Well, so originally my coaching now is on my website, amycarroll.org, but originally I had a separate website and a separate name and everything. And so the name of my coaching is next step. And early on, I just had to make that my actual goal. Like it was the name of my ministry, but I had to make it my goal too, that I was going to take people to the Mm -hmm. next step. So it's been fascinating over the years because I really thought that I would always work with beginning speakers. And for the most part, that's true. And so for some of them that are just, just beginning, I just want to make, you know, level them up one level. And, um, and that some of them do much more than that, but my goal is at least that, but then I've also gotten to work with some very experienced speakers. In fact, one, I tried to talk out of hiring me. Cause I was like, you're more experienced than I am. And she said, yeah, but I think I have some things to learn from you, which is mm. wise for all of us, right. That we yep. always have something to learn me from too. others. And so we worked together and in the end, I was so happy because I felt like she had, I had been able to help her take the next step up also. So can you give us an example of, uh, thank you. Can you give us an example of a next step for a beginning speaker? You know, I, I have, I firmly believe that even very poor public speakers can be very good 
public speakers. Most of the people who come to me are not very poor. They have some natural God-given talent. So what I, my goal is, is to teach them some basic communication skills that help them really connect with their audience. So um, it's, messages come that way and they uh, take them step by step through creating a message that will connect with their audience and then the beautiful thing is is a lot of them coming come to me being worried about delivery and I say I believe having a great message solves 95% of delivery problems. When you stand up and you're very confident and very passionate about what you're about to share a lot of the delivery problems go away. I still have to work with, with my own hands. My husband one time told me I looked like I was going to take flight. I had to work on that a little bit. <laughs> I, I know someone took a picture of me speaking two weekends ago. My arm was out like this. And I go, I think I was pointing to everybody meet me in this corner. We're going to go get a massage in the afternoon during free time. But uh, yeah. And any still photos look pretty bad. So you have to get a professional, yes. but that's another topic. Um, thank you for that. Now your books are called Exhale. Did you write that one first? That was the second one. Okay, your with first my one is Sherry Gregory. Mm-hmm. Oh, you met, you wrote with her. I just interviewed her with Kathy Lip about their new book. She's books. fantastic. Yeah, great. I really liked her. Um, Breaking Up with Perfect was your first book. Did you write that by yourself or co-authored? I wrote that one by myself, and mm-hmm. that one was very much. The journey that God had me on for years and years um, without even realizing it really for a long time until I started to put pen to paper. And then it was just that undoing my own perfectionism so God could do a perfecting work in me. And I had been the barrier to that all along. It turns out when you think you have to do your own work, um, you get in your own way. And so, um, yeah, I wrote that book about the lessons that I learned and hopefully to help other perfectionists step out of God's way so he can do the work in us. Hmm. Um, what was the biggest, uh, I'd say burden of being a perfectionist? Well, that is a great question. That's actually where the book came from. Cause a friend of mine said, well, what's, what was the biggest problem? And the problem was my perfectionism was ruining my relationships. Why? So Uh, because perfectionists hold people at arm's length because we're not actually perfect. And so we hold people at arm's length to protect ourselves and to appear perfect. We image is is a big deal. Mm. Um, And also, (laughs) I always say, I didn't just want to be perfect. I wanted to help you too. (laughs) So, you know, (laughs) that's a woman's role, isn't it? It's pretty damaging in a marriage and parenting. And actually I had the realization what God had been trying to do in my life when I had, I had a series of four close friendships implode within about five years. And the only common denominator was me. None of those four other women knew each other. I was the only common denominator. So at that point, when a pattern emerges in your life, I think it's God trying to put his finger on something and say, Hey, we need, we need some work here. Mm. And, um, the work was for me, but it also improved my relationships tremendously. Mm. Um, oh, I had a question. I lost it. So I'll go to the next one that just came up. How do you ever slip back into it? Oh, it is my default. So, you know, when I'm not in a healthy place, 
for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, I can slip back into it. The red flags are, they wave pretty hard these days. And so when I start, I can feel it in my body, my muscles and my neck and my shoulders tense up. I have what I call the shame crawl in my scalp. I don't know how to, it just feels creepy crawly in my scalp. And shame (laughs) is one of those um, nasty side effects of perfectionism. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it shows up that way. I can tell a lot of times from my husband's reactions when I'm being hurtful um, Mm -hmm. because of my perfectionism. But I would say um, I'm much, 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 much healthier than I used to be. And I... I think I catch it a lot faster mm-hmm. than I used to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I call that um, keeping short accounts with God. I've asked him on different sins, my uh, tarrying sins that stick around me that he would jolt me kindly and in love. Of course he would uh, whenever mm-hmm. I'm being proud or whenever I'm valuing myself over another or whenever things like that are happening that he would, uh, you know, I wish he would just throw me some duct tape at times, you know, right over my mouth before I harm somebody else. Um, and so I, that was, I remember my first question, did that, didn't that come with a lot of shame that, oh no, I have to write a book about perfectionism because I am the culprit. How did you get over that shame? Yeah. It, well, I was in pre- a pretty deep pit by the end of the book, to be honest with you. Oh, wow. um, I had to write it pretty fast. I had, <laughs> I had three months to write it. Oh. So I wrote it and I kind of didn't realize like, well, you know, cause you write and speak. We do a lot of navel gazing for, mm-hmm. for the sake of I others. Use, right? <laughs> I use that exact phrase. Navel gazing distracts me from God actually. Uh, yes. Yes. But, but it had a purpose in yes. this particular um, sense. But here's the beautiful thing. So God did not leave me there. Um, My friends and family gathered around me to do a launch for breaking up with perfect. And it it was spectacular. It was, (laughs) it was, and it ended up one of being one of the best days of my life behind my marriage, behind my kids, the launch day for breaking up with perfect was probably great. And it was a day like people that came shocked me. I had some of my elementary school students that came. I had people that I had kids I babysat for in high school that came. I had just people from all parts of my life. I'm tearing up thinking about it. Um, came to this launch party and after, you know, months of navel gazing around my perfectionism and how flawed I really am, I felt so loved in that mm-hmm. day and God, I cried all the way home from the church that night. And I felt like it was such a beautiful gift from God to say, when you are vulnerable with the world, um, I will give back to you, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. all, all that you poured out. We, as communicators, we cannot outgive God that he gives back to us so beautifully. And he did that night. And there was a, there was a tremendous amount of healing that Mm -hmm. happened in that evening Mm -hmm. um, around just that love being poured out on me. It was really amazing. I I feel like um, we give a gift to others when we are vulnerable, not that we have to hang Mm -hmm. dirty laundry every five minutes, but when we're just, I talk a lot about hospitality versus entertaining, and it has to do with just being yourself. And we give the gift of, we give the gift of another person being allowed to be themselves when we are honest 
and yes. true and real. Of course, the time that my friend walked in my house and said, oh, I feel better about my house. That was a little too real. But um, <laughs> at least I thought, well, I'm giving her the gift of being herself. Um, what would you say to the perfectionist listening today at, at any level of perfectionism? I don't think I'm a perfectionist, but other people might think I am about certain things. So we probably all are. Uh, at a certain point, and I believe it roots itself in pride, at least in me. And so what would be the first, what would be one little tip? This this um, podcast is not all about your book, but I think someone listening might go, I could really use, besides buying your book, what would be something they could start today? Um, it is a good thing to need a savior. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know, you know, because you, you said the S word a few minutes ago, sin, and I waited to the end of breaking up with perfect to call my perfectionism, what it was and our perfection, but it is actually sin because it is, it is rooted, as you said, in pride. And for me, my besetting sin, I say is self-righteousness, mm-hmm. which is nasty, nasty Nasty. sin. Any, any girl out there that has the story of addiction or promiscuity or all those things, girl, I I have the, the clear understanding that my self-righteousness, although it has kept me looking cleaned up on the outside, it is just probably nastier than a lot of those other sins that the world tends to judge those Mm. external things. Mm. Um, and so, um, it is a good thing to need a savior and understand that we need a savior, uh, because that comes in humility and that comes with an, uh, a realization and a repentance from our own sin a turning away from our own sin and saying, Jesus, I, I actually do need you. Mm-hmm. I cannot work myself out of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And God's sitting up there going, yeah, well, I know this about you, Sue. Amy. So why did it take you so darn long? Um, Let's go into legacy. What legacy do you want to pass down to those who know and love you? Well, this was a great segue because it is the immeasurable love of Jesus. Mm. That is the legacy I want to leave my children, my friends, Jesus, and even the listeners today. Jesus loves you deeply, immeasurably in ways that we have not even thought to ask for and cannot imagine. Mm. And, you know, that has not always been what I have wanted uh, my legacy to be. I would say as a reforming perfectionist that my legacy, I hoped for a long time was to be known as a godly woman. Mm. And even as I thought about how I'd answer that question today, I thought, oh, what a good shift. My legacy now is not about me. It is actually about the people I love walking in the deep Mm. immeasurable love of Jesus. And the only way I know how to give that is by walking that out. And the older I get, Sue, the more obsessed with Jesus I am. I don't know how else to say it. I think a lot of us have come through the past two years with that. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, golly, church world seems to have crumbled and church world has always been my world and I've loved it. And I still love it. I love the church because Jesus loves the church. Mm -hmm. But man, she's messy, isn't she? And, you know, and, you know, all the anger around all the issues, you know, so some friendships have shaken and all of that. And in the midst of it, 
is Jesus standing Hmm. and loving and being who he has always been. And I'm obsessed with them. I can't, I, I am absolutely, um, steeping myself in the gospels right now and thinking about Jesus and, um, speaking about him more passionately than I ever have. Cause I, I feel his love more in my own life. And I know some of that's come through the hard work of breaking up with perfect, learning to give up some of the um, things that Sherry and I talked about and exhale setting some personal boundaries. So I have actually space for Jesus in my life and all of those things. Mm -hmm. And we didn't talk about that second book. That sounds wonderful as well. Uh, Do you ever feel like you are drifting away from Jesus these days? Hmm. You know, I don't think so. And I have been through some really hard things the last couple of years. So um, I think, I don't think there's any of us, probably none of your listeners who could say anything different than that. I think we've all been through some hard things. I've been through some hard personal things and family things. And, um, you know, my thoughts and reactions to thing in our, things in our cultures, I've, I've learned how to deal with, with my negative emotions a lot better than I ever did. I'm not stuffing as much as I did. Um, people around me may or may not love that. Um, Let's speak the truth but, in love. it is it is it is it is so I'm learning how to feel those things and lay them at the foot of the cross right Mm -hmm. so um but so all of that shook but not my relationship with Jesus I'm thankful I think I've walked with him for a long time and he is so faithful and consistent so it did feel like everything else was shaking and I so like like the word deconstruction, you know, is being tossed around a lot. I, I do think I have deconstructed in some ways. I've, I've taken a second look at some things that I've taken for granted that I've believed and realized mm, that's cultural, not biblical. And I think that's a good, healthy thing. I heard someone on another podcast say that deconstruction is part of discipleship. Mm-hmm. I actually believe that's true, um, you know, depending on how different people um, define deconstruction a different way. I'm, I'm, I'm saying deconstruction as let's take a second look at some of the things that we've always believed and mm-hmm. line them up against what scripture actually says. Um, so, uh, anyway, that was long and winding. Did I get lost in there? Somewhere? <laughs> That's all right. I'm, I'm fascinated. Okay. I, um, I, I wonder how, how do you express your love back to Jesus? Because I think we are responders as women, God made mm-hmm. us that way that we respond back to God's per- pursuing us. That's mm-hmm. why I married my husband said mm-hmm. yes. The second time he proposed because he was pursuing and I didn't have to manipulate anything. And Jesus has mm-hmm. God pursued us through the love and death and resurrection of Christ. So how yes. do you respond to his love best? Mm, that's a good question. One of the things, um, that I've been doing is studying his life, really immersing myself more in the gospels, taking a look at, um, his life and particularly in, at his suffering, Hmm. I had, I worked, did some work with a spiritual director. And one of the things that she said that just rocked me and it is actually scriptural, but she kept saying it in response to some things I was suffering through. She kept saying, Jesus empathizes with you. Hmm. And I'm like, what? 
what? I don't know why I've gotten this far down the road and never kind of processed that. So I started to read the gospels through the lens of Jesus's suffering. And what did that mm-hmm. look like? And so I took pages and pages and pages of notes of all this big and small things that Jesus suffered in coming here, um, to be with us and understand us and empathize with us. So I think some of it is just, um, that love letter of those notes of actually studying his life and understanding him more. And some of it has been silence. And this is hard for me because I like to, I got a lot of words. Um, And so I have been doing something in my quiet time, which hasn't ever been very quiet um, (laughs) that I have been setting a timer on my phone and just for five minutes at the end of my quiet time, just sitting and just saying, Jesus, if you have anything to say to me, I'm here and trying to really quiet my mind and my heart and just sit in his presence. And that has been, you know, it's such a simple thing, but it has been really transformative and beautiful in my life. Mm. It reminds me, um, my older brother told me he used to um, fast during lunch. Everybody else would leave the office. So he would just stay in his office. He was a missionary in, with Wycliffe in Papua New Guinea. And so when everybody would leave, he would just fast and listen. And he said, Sue, one time God told me that he was proud of me. And I Mm. thought, wow, we, he wouldn't have heard that if he hadn't taken the discipline really of quieting his mind. He's a communicator like me. And for Mm -hmm. him to shut off his word words and listen. And then he heard his intimate heavenly father say, hi, and I'm proud of you. You know, wow. And that was a lot because he used to be a real jerk. So it's really great that God, God did the transformation. And um, I'm sort of teasing, but um, he, he, we are transformed by the spirit of God and we forget yes, we are. all the great things we think we're doing was, you know, if there's anything good, it's because God did it. And so with that, I, when I tell people, if you, if you ever doubt God's love, look at the cross, which is kind of what you were saying in your pages and pages of notes of how Jesus suffered. Now, did that depress you at all? No, it totally encouraged me. And it was interesting because that list, um, I actually took it to a speaking event a couple of weeks ago and I read that list mm-hmm. and I, I tried to read through it fast because it was really, really long and it was small things. I mean, some of it was small, like people question him all the time. Mm-hmm. People question his identity. People question, I mean, um, he, and then there were the bigger things be betrayed by a friend, abandoned by his friends, you know, but there mm-hmm. was and everything in between Sue and, mm-hmm. and what, what encouraged me about it. Although it made, it made me love him more that he didn't have to do all that. And he did that for us. Um, the thing that really encouraged me is there was literally, I have, of course I haven't faced a physical death, but beyond that, I've experienced to some degree, not as great a degree as he did everything on that list. And probably you probably have to do probably Mm -hmm. all our listeners. So when, you know, Hebrews tells us that he is a high priest who empathizes with our weaknesses, that is no joke. Mm -hmm. Like that is real. He has walked through what we've walked through plus some and he understands us. Mm -hmm. Yeah that we are encouraged to come to the throne of grace 
um, mm-hmm. in our time of need. And I write at the bottom of that verse, which is all the time. And I'm closest to Jesus when I feel the most needy. So it's really a cause for celebration as much as we don't like the process of feeling needy, at least I don't, or coming down to conviction of sin. I'm so grateful. I think there's such a gift in repentance and conviction, and then we can come yes. to so freely. So um, as yes. you know, my um, podcast is Welcome Heart. How does your life embody his inviting heart and life? This question so challenges me because I feel like I'm really still in process in this. I do, so in process. So I do feel that the more I understand the love of Jesus and want that to be my legacy, the better I am loving people. I, I mean, I, that besetting sin of self-righteousness really translated as a lot of judginess. And listen, you know, when somebody is judging you, they don't have to say it. And I look back in my tell. life. And so I've restrained my words a lot, but you can tell when somebody's judging you. And I think that's been a barrier between, I don't think, I know that has been a barrier between me and other people in the past. Mm-hmm. And so the more, the less judging I do, the more I leave the judging to God and the more loving that I do, do towards people, I mean, that in and of itself is an invitation, isn't it? Absolutely. And I, I'll give you an example. So we have, um, we had, we had to go knock on a neighbor's door the other day. This is not a neighbor that we know very well, but we needed permission to get him to let us do some trimming on his, our side of the fence. And we just didn't, you know, we wanted to be good neighbors. So we went right. and knocked on the door and this neighbor is somebody he's been really reclusive And, um, so we didn't really know him. And as we chatted with him and my husband is not self-righteousness is not his issue at all. And he's, he's just a connector and, and this man, he looked really not well. Mm. And so Barry just kind of started pressing in and, and connecting, doing what Barry does so well. And in the middle of it, he starts crying. He's an old man and his wife, his wife had died two weeks ago. We didn't even know our kind of our side back door neighbor. And we didn't even know. And, and so we talked with him through that, asked him some questions, tell us about her. Um, You know, in the past, I would have closed that door pretty quickly because I didn't like messy you know, and this was looking really messy. There's some things I'm not saying on your podcast. So there's, there's, it's messy. And I would have said, Oh, I'm so sorry. I hope you feel better soon. See you later. <laughs> I'm yeah. serious. I, it would have been nicer than that. Cause I'm Southern, yeah. but it would have been that. <laughs> um, and so, you know, we talked to him for a while and uh, then on the way, away back to our house Barry said that wasn't enough we can't say be well and be fed that's right and so you know we're kind of on a a mission to reach out and love to this neighbor who has been a recluse and not super Mm -hmm. friendly and you know all of that and so it's it's it still circles back to the love of Jesus like Mm -hmm. if we if we begin to get glimpses of the tremendous love of Jesus for us, then it automatically will begin to overflow to other people. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And that's the process in my life. And it's a beautiful example because it's amazing how many neighbors we don't know when 
when Jesus said, love God, love your neighbors, you know, we take it as to the end of the earth, but he just wants us to go across the street. And that yes. could be, that could be uh, a little more unnerving than going to Papua New Guinea. And I've done both. And it's scarier to go down the street because you should know their name. They've lived there 20 years, but you don't remember it. And now it's an odd time to give them a loaf of banana bread. I mean, you've lived there. They've seen you. They've waved. And so what you and your husband add, I'm so glad you had to cut trees because you would have never known that he had just lost his wife two weeks previous. I mean, you know that God orchestrated that whole tree thing and yeah. your dear husband and your heart melting before him. I can't wait to hear what happens? Yeah, you know? I'm excited to. I mean, yeah. it was a guy. We've been talking about cutting those trees for like two years. <laughs> oh, wow. And it, you know, I'm doing my air quotes mm -hmm. with my fingers. It just happened sure. to be now. Yeah. Um. So, but that shows you the tremendous love of Jesus for that man. Yeah. You know, yeah. and um, yeah, I'm with you. I've been to India three times, but yeah. I had never really had a conversation with that neighbor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, this has been such an encouragement. Thank you for your vulnerability, Amy, and your uh, wisdom. Uh, you know, we, we never stop growing, do we? And uh, uh, that's the truth to the last breath. That's part of God's love for us, that he doesn't just let us go. He doesn't let us get away with things that need to be changed in my life and in yours so that we can be a, a better representation of his welcoming heart to others. So bless you. And thank you for your time today. And I'm sure that everybody will want to go see more about you, especially if you're a speaker or if you want, or you're a perfectionist, uh, tell me the, where they can see you and reach you. And are you on, yes, you're on Instagram. I'm on Instagram. So I, I use my main name. It's crazy. So it's Amy Dome Carol, A-M-Y-D-O-H-M-C-A-R-R-O-L-L -L on Instagram. And my website is amycarol.org. Right. I leave, I use my maiden name too, because I was a teacher for so long, single. So I wanted people to find uh -huh. me. So Amy, you have been a delight and God bless you. And I'm so glad that you appreciate God's love. And I'm going to go um, make me a list. I think you should, their next book should be that list. You probably already know that. <laughs> Thanks so much. Might be coming. Thanks, okay. Steve. Until next time, think about your legacy, the one God has called you to live, all for heaven's sake. I would love to speak at your next Christian Women's event. See my keynotes and retreat series, as well as the show notes from today's broadcast at welcomeheart.com. Thanks for coming. You're always welcome here. <laughs>